the subject here is why there is strife in Israel and Palestine. I'm going to make this a little bit bigger and just zero in on what we've got here. Amen. Now, if you'll notice here, the first scriptures that you've got on your page is a little different than what I've got because there were some arrows that that's on your page. We did this in, in a very quick manner. Israel's past, I'm going to talk to you about Israel's past, and on the second page I'm going to talk about her present. And I'm going to talk to you from my heart here a little bit about what's going on over there. And uh, the first scripture here that we're going to take, and I'm going to read a scripture here to you. But before I do, I want to uh, put a map on the board up here and uh, show you here. <clears throat> this is a, a map of Israel in that area. And hopefully it can, it'll show up. Okay, here. Okay. Can I do it? Let me see if I can do it like this. Hang on a minute. Well, the map's going to be too big for us to cover a lot of territory. This is Israel in the southern end of it. This is the Gaza Strip down here at the bottom. This is the little strip of land here is the Gaza Strip. And uh, just north of that is Tel Aviv up here where you see all the, the city environment. And then over here where the other area is Jerusalem. Now I've got this folded here, but Israel goes way north and it also goes further east as well. Goes over to the Jordan River along the edge here. What happened? I don't know what happened. I guess I hit something. I, I, I'm always, my, I'm all thumbs. I'm sorry. Somebody help me here with this button things here. Somebody know something about these buttons? Please come help me here if you do. I don't know what I hit. I hit something. I don't know what it is. Buttons. That's the devil. <laughs> I don't know. I, what I do, I'm trying to do all this stuff, but these little buttons are so sensitive. I don't know what, to, I don't know how to, I don't know where I am. I don't know what's. Well, that makes two of us, so. It, it's over here probably because, but I guess, I don't know. Well, there's a picture up there on my left-hand side. I got a picture up there with a pen. Slip stuff going way back. I don't know where Joe's at either. All right. Well, let me read some scriptures to you here. That's in your notes that you that I the handouts that I gave you. Uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Israel's past, and. Uh, just going to refer to a few things here. This is Genesis 12, 7. This is not part of your notes, but Genesis 12, 7. All right, good. Thank you so much, Matt. I appreciate it. You're a genius. That guy is a real blessing. You don't know what a blessing Matt is to me personally. Appreciate him. Uh, if you will look with us in Genesis 12, 7. This is not in your notes there. It says, and the Lord appeared unto Abram. That was Abraham's name before it was changed to Abram. Whenever he was alive on this earth. And said unto, the, and said, and said, unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. This is uh, Genesis 12 
and 7. I'm going very quickly here. I'm establishing a fact here that God promised the land of Palestine, as we call it, to Israel. I'm going very quickly here to uh, Genesis, I'm sorry, Genesis 15, 7. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give thee this land to inherit it. Moving on a little bit further here in the 15th verse, the 18th, I mean the 15th chapter, the 18th verse. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying unto thy seed, have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Uh, that's, uh, that's even north of Syria, the country of Syria, not Assyria, but Syria, which is just north of, of uh, Palestine. It goes on to say here then in 16:7, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. Verse eight, and I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. I want you to notice here that what I'm reading to you is the Lord promising Abraham that I will give you this land that you're on. This is, and he went from Dan to Beersheba back and forth traveling. Everywhere he went, the Lord said, this is gonna be the land of you and for your heirs after you, that is for the children of Israel. And uh, in four places, the Lord spoke to him in this fashion. And then in, uh, in the 26th chapter, he spoke to, uh, to Jacob about this. And this is 26.3. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee and will bless thee for unto thee and to thy seed I will give all these countries I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father, and I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and I will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And of course, that would be through Jesus Christ who would come as the Messiah. So I'm just pointing out to you here that the Lord, and I'm just looking at your notes here, the Lord promised Abraham he'd given the Palestine Part B, uh, here he promised uh, Jacob that he would give him Palestine. And I want you to look at C here for, for a moment. God's promise to Moses. God's promise to Moses. So going to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 28. This is what the Lord told Moses to tell the children of Israel. And this was like 400, uh, 400 years after Abraham. He says this in 28.1. 28.1, and I'm going to read 1 and 2, and it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken differently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do uh, diligently, I'm sorry, if thou wilt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Notice that. God told Israel, I'm going to bless you, and told uh, Israel through uh, Moses, I'm going to bless you very high extensively. Verse 2, and all these blessings shall come on thee, 
and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. And then if I were to read this, I'm not going to, but starting with verse three and four, it says, blessed shalt thou be in the city, blessed shalt thou be in the field, blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, blessed shall be the fruit of the ground, the fruit. And he goes on with many blessings that he pronounces here upon them and just tells them, I will bless you. Uh, it goes extensively right on down through verse 14. The Lord said, I'll bless you, I'll bless you, I'll bless you. And then in verse 15, there's a turn here. There's a turn here. God promised Moses and the children of Israel he had blessed them. Uh, how these blessings would be lost is found in 28:15. Look at this very closely. Now notice here. But it shall come to pass that if thou wilt hearken unto the voice, not hearken unto the voice of the Lord, of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Take note of this now. And then starting in verse 16, cursed shall they be in the city, cursed shall they be in the field, almost the opposite of what the blessings would be. And he goes all the way down here and he talks about all of these difficulties, trials, tests, heartaches, sorrows, griefs, that would come against Israel if they chose not to walk with God and serve God and keep his commandments and obey his word. I can show you scriptures later on, like especially over in, or like over in, in, the, in uh, Jeremiah, where Jeremiah told the people, you know, you're worshiping idols. And he got onto the women about worshiping what was called the goddess of heaven, the goddess of heaven, the mother of, of, of the heavens. And they would worship, they had an image they would worship. And they said, we don't care what you tell us, we are still going to worship who we want to worship. So they became very rebellious. And because of that, of course, the Lord judged them later on. Now, I'm talking to you here in this book of Deuteronomy is what Moses is telling the children of Israel. If you don't obey the Lord, God is going to judge you. This is what he's telling them that will happen. Now, I'm taking it a little bit further because here's what he says in number two here of this. Israel would also lose their land. That was part of the judgment that God would bring against them. Now, I'm here in Deuteronomy 28 still. Deuteronomy 28, look at verse 63. I'm going to read 63 and 64 here. And it shall come to pass that as the Lord rejected, rejoiced over you to do you good and to multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to naught and ye shall be plucked from off the land, whether thou goest to possess it. I'm going to take you off the land. Verse 64, and the Lord shall scatter thee among all people from the one end of the earth, even unto the other. And there shalt thou shalt serve other gods, which neither thou nor their fathers have known, even wood and stone. And the Lord went on to tell him that, and this is exactly what happened. So, uh, I'm the next weird D when it happened, the first time it happened was the Babylonian captivity that happened in 606 BC and, uh, in 588 BC. Let me just explain this to you. This very quickly here. I'm moving on. I'm going to move on then. But in this, uh, in this Babylonian captivity, Israel had sinned. The Lord sent prophets. He warned them. He told them it's going to happen. Judgment was going to come. And they just put their thumb, their nose up at God and the prophets and wouldn't listen to them and even persecuted the prophets. 
And some of them they killed even because they didn't like them prophesying against what they were saying and doing. And finally, the Lord let Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of the Babylon, come over with an army and capture Jerusalem and Israel. And he took 10,000 of the choice people back to, back to Babylon with him. Oh, that included Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was four of those that was among that group. And he took them all back over there. Later on, he also made another trip there and took, and Ezekiel was captured in that group and taken back to Babylon. So Ezekiel, Daniel, these men were all over in Babylon, but the Lord continued to use them and prophesy of things that would come and also to prophesy of things that would happen to Israel. The Lord finally showed Daniel. He said, Daniel, uh, Israel will be conquered for 70 years and then I will restore them. In the meantime, in 588 BC, Nebuchadnezzar had had enough with, with the Jews re rejecting him. And uh, he went back in, uh, in, fi in 588 BC. And this time he destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, the temple of Solomon that he had built, burned everything to the ground, destroyed everything, laid it all waste hauled off all the gold and silver, parts of the furniture and everything back to Babylon, all of this kind of stuff, and just really demolished everything. And so Israel was devastated. It was from that point that God began to speak through these prophets such as Ezekiel. Jeremiah lived in Palestine. He stayed in Palestine when all this was happening. And Ezekiel was taken back to uh, Babylon with Nebuchadnezzar and also uh, that also Daniel and his friends were all over there and they were prophesying Nebuchadnezzar ruled for so long, then finally his son, then finally his grandson, and after Belshazzar and so forth, and finally was conquered by the, the Medes and the Persians. And finally, God said, all right, I'm gonna allow you now to go back. And so after 70 years, they went back. But when they went back, they had nothing. They had absolutely nothing. And they had to start all over, rebuilding, reestablishing, rebuilding. And this is where the book of Ezra comes in. This is where the book of Nehemiah comes in and uh, so forth. I won't go into all the detail there, only to say that all of this brings us up then to the coming of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus came, Israel had developed themselves as a nation, as a country uh, in Palestine, and they had served under the Babylonians. They had served under the, the Medes and the Persians. They had served on the Grecian Empire. The Grecian Empire came through and over, overcome came them. They, then the Roman Empire followed behind that uh, Grecian Empire and controlled everything. And so when Jesus came, it was the Romans who were ruling. But Palestine was their own sovereign nation, but always subject to Gentile powers. Always subject to Gentile powers. And they could just never do what they wanted to do they tried to exercise their own will and their own power, but they'd always be thrown back down. And they kept saying, God's going to reestablish us. But the Lord had reasons why he did not. And he told them that certain conditions that he would only on when those conditions were met. The Roman captivity happened in 70 AD. I'm on part two here with D. I'm just giving you an update here on all this stuff. The Roman captivity. This is all recorded in the book of Josephus. Josephus is a thick book that tells all about that war that, that the Jews fought against the Romans, 70 AD. The young man 
Titus, he's a prince. Uh, his father had just been made Caesar Vespasian, had just been made Caesar of Rome. And he turned all of his armies that he had in Palestine over to his son. He said, now finish the job I've started and capture and conquer Jerusalem. They were conquering certain parts of Israel and moving down through the land. And so Titus took it over and he went from there. This had already been, had already been prophesied in Daniel that they would be conquered and taken in 70 AD. Not in that date, but in that time. This was uh, like 40 years after Jesus had lived and died and Jesus prophesied. I'm going to read that verse of scripture to you. If you look in, uh, with us in Luke 21. Now stay with me on all of this because I'm going to bring all this to light here in a few moments to where we are today. But Luke 20, yeah, Luke 20, I'm sorry. Luke 21, 20, I was there and didn't know it. Luke 21, 20, this is Jesus prophesying now. When you shall see Jerusalem compass with armies, this is when Jesus was still living, this was like 30 AD, uh, 30, probably closer to 33 AD, or maybe 30 AD, right into there. When you shall see Jerusalem compass with armies, which was gonna to come to pass, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh, he had told them that this is all going to be destroyed. Then let him which is in Judea flee to the mountains. Let them which are in the midst of it depart out. And let not them that are in the countries enter thereunto. In other words, if you see the armies coming around and closing into Jerusalem, don't think you're going to be able to withstand them. If you're, take my word for it and get out of Jerusalem. That's what he was saying. Now, when that finally happened in 70 AD, all the Christians remembered what Jesus said. It had been written by the, by the, uh, the writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They knew it was in the word and they did leave Jerusalem. All the Christians left Jerusalem before it was destroyed in 70 AD because they said Jesus had told us, flee the city, get out of it. And they went to a place called Pella. Pella is where it's now part of Jordan. It's over in the Jordan side across the Jordan River on the east side. But this is where they went and none of them were ever killed or slaughtered. But those Jews that stayed there, let me finish reading here what he had to say about it. This 21st chapter, 21st chapter of Luke and the 21st verse. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains and let them which are in the midst depart out and let not them that are in the countries to enter in there into. Verse 22, for these be the days of vengeance <clears throat> that all things which are written may be fulfilled. And it was written, fulfilled. Uh, this is written in Daniel. I'll refer to Daniel here in just a moment, just one verse. But it says here that may be fulfilled. But verse 23, but woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck. That's mothers feeding their babies. In those days for there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people, that's the Jews. And they, the Jews, shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And this is what Jesus told them. And he said, this is gonna happen. 
and in 70 AD it did have. Now, uh, Daniel had already prophesied whenever some 500 years before that this would all happen, and Jesus knew that Daniel's prophecy was there. I'm reading in Daniel 9, 26, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, That's that he'll be crucified, but not for himself, that is he'll die for the sins of the people. And the people of the prince that shall come, the people of the prince are the Roman armies, and Titus was the prince. Uh, the people of the princess shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And that's exactly what they did do. And the end thereof shall be with a flood. And at the end of the war, desolations are determined. And that's exactly what happened. And let me just say this, and it's written in your notes there, that when the Romans came in and captured that and destroyed the temple and everything, it's prophesied by Christ and also by Daniel. Uh, 1,100,000 Jews were slain by the Romans. They would not give up. They would not quit. They would not surrender. And uh, Josephus, who had been conquered by the Romans, tried to persuade the Jews, said, it's no, you, you don't have a chance. That they're too powerful. Uh, they said, no, we're going to keep fighting. God's going to deliver us. But they did not believe the words of Jesus. So therefore, they were at fault. They believed that way back there, God was going to give them victory from some Old Testament prophecy scriptures when they had rejected Christ and all of his teachings. That's why Jesus looked at Jerusalem one time when he was living on this earth. He looked at it and said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I wish that I could gather thee under my uh, wings like a mother hen does her chicks, but ye would not. For ye know not the day of your visitation. God has visited you, that is through me, me, Jesus Christ was God on earth in the form of man. And he was visit, had visited them and they knew not the day of their visitation. Now I'm just telling you here, Israel's past, we'll move on very quickly here. And so there were many Jews, they were then, uh, the temple was destroyed and they were dispersed all over the world. They were sold as slaves. And this was prophesied even over in Deuteronomy that they would be sent down back into Egypt and sold to save. Exactly is what happened. And so many of them were sold as slaves that the price of slaves went so low that nobody even paid the price for them no more. They wouldn't even buy them. They said, we, we don't even want to buy them. We, they're so cheap. We don't, even, uh, we, we, don't even, we don't even need them. We don't need any more slaves. We got all we can feed and take care of. And the Jews then were scattered throughout all the then known world, folks, and they were the bottom of the barrel that the poorest people on the earth, and that's what happened to them because of their rejection. Christ, their disobedience to the word of God, and their, their, their terrible spirit that they had. And when Jesus was crucified, they said, let his blood be upon us and our children. And of course, when that happened, the Romans came in and did that. That's exactly what did happen. And the Lord says here, Jesus said this in that 21st chapter of of uh, Luke and in that 24th verse and he said that Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles look at that until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled and the times of the Gentiles is still going on that's why we can still be saved I mean I'm saved you're saved but the people who are Gentiles we're Gentiles we're from all walks of life God opened the door to the Gentiles when the Jews rejected him and the the apostles went forth preaching and Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles and he began to preach the word and the Gentiles began to be saved 
and it spread all over the world and it's that way even to this day. And the Jews are still scattered all over the world. I'm going to talk to you a little bit more extensively about that. There was a second Roman captivity as well, number three. This is not mentioned in Josephus because Josephus had died. But a second Roman captivity here, if you look at part three. The Roman captivity. The Jews tried to reestablish the nation of Israel with plans to rebuild the temple in 135 A.D. That's just... Uh, 70 AD, what is that? 135, what is it, 65? 70, is that 65 years later? The Roman army returned under, uh, under another emperor at this time. He returned unto him and killed 600,000 Jews and built a shrine to the Roman god Jupiter on the Temple Mount. And they, he came back and they just they did it all over again. And there was a guy that rose up and he claimed he was the Messiah and the Jews all rallied behind him. This is 135 AD. And uh, they all rallied behind him. And, uh, and there were some rabbis that got behind him as well and said, yeah, he's going to be the Messiah. He's going to deliver us. And uh, the Jews all got with him and believed him and followed him and so forth. And they were going to rebuild the temple and all kind of stuff. And the Romans said, okay, it's enough. Uh, Hadrian was the Roman emperor and Hadrian, incidentally Hadrian was a, was a pedophile if I, you just, I'm throwing that in for free but some, of those Roman, some of those Roman emperors folks were wicked you would not believe how wicked they were but he was a pedophile and uh, I won't go any further with it but anyhow he came with his big huge uh, Roman army and he killed, wiped out these Jews again all over again and killed 600,000 of these Jews and again, scattered them all over and sent them into slavery. And this time, it sort of broke the back of the Romans. One other thing happened that I'll pass along to you, then I'm going to go to where we are today. And uh, that is part four here. A group of Jews attempted to rebuild the temple in, in 365 A.D. Now, notice here, this is like uh, 200 years later. There's a bunch I've got together. This really happened. They said, let's rebuild the temple now because they feel like, felt like if we can just rebuild the temple, God will come back and visit us. We just need a temple built because the presence of God was always going to be in the temple. And so they said, let's rebuild the temple. They got together everything and they got all the supplies. They got all the equipment. They got all of the material they'd need to build the temple and put it on the temple mount and the night before they were to start, the next day, an earthquake came and shook everything and split open the ground and swallowed up a bunch of that stuff, destroyed it all. And they said, apparently God does not want us to build the temple. And they walked away from it for the last time. So I'm just pointing out to you the things. And all through history now, there's been everything. The Muslims came in 623. They came, uh, Bohammed, you know, and and he came and uh, later on they built a, a shrine to the Mohammed, not to Mohammed, but to Allah, Mohammed's God. And uh, around, uh, around 1000 AD, right in there, the Mohammeds, the uh, Islams, Islam as they're called, uh, they, uh, they had a guy that was supposed to be their chief and uh, they said that he went into hiding and he's hiding out on a mountain someplace over there in the Middle East. And he's the Mahdi, he's called the Mahdi. 
and uh, he's alive and will stay alive. And whenever the world is just upheaval, upside down with trouble, the Mahdi is going to step forward and bring peace to the world. And he is going to establish the Muslim faith as the dominant religion of all the world. Now, they believe that. And uh, they, they follow that. Not, not all the Muslims. There's different groups of Muslims. Uh, there's Muslims that are more liberal. There's some that are very conservative. I have a, I have a Muslim Bible. They call it. It's not a Bible. I have one in my library. And it's the, it's the uh, Iranian version of it. They got the Saudi Arabia one. They got the Iranian one. The Iranians were the ones that were so militant about this. They have what they call the Mahdi. They believe in the Mahdi. And, uh, and so they believe the, the, the caliphate, as he's called, the caliphate's going to show up. I'm just pointing out to you, all of these things have developed over the years. They also believe, this is where we're going now, they also believe that, uh, that Mohammed made a trip to heaven. There's three holy places, very, very holy with the Muslims. Uh, one is, is, uh, is, is their, you know, their, their main city there, uh, which is, uh, is Mecca, but Medina is where they started the faith. And, uh, I think it was, uh, something like 623 AD. This is where they started. So Medina is the second holiest place. Mecca is the holiest. And, uh, the second holiest is Medina. The third holiest place to the Muslims in all the world is Jerusalem and it's the Temple Mount as we call it they call it the Sharif and so the Sharif to them is the most holy third holiest place in all the world because Mohammed went there when he was still living and he made a trip to heaven and God appeared to him or Allah did or the angels or somebody did talk to him and everything gave him the Quran and all of that and he came back and uh I have been inside of the dome of the rock, the dome that sits there, the gold dome thing. I've been inside of it years ago. I was inside and they have a rock that's inside and it has a little indentation in the stone and in the rock in the smooth stone. And they said that was his footprint where his foot pushed him off. And he came back then. So I'm just trying to tell you here, this is what they believe. And so I'm just telling you here that, the Temple Mount, that we call it Temple Mount, they call it the Sharif, is very, very holy, not only to the Jews, but also to the Muslims. So this is what all the squabble is all about. And so when all the Jews started going back, and I'm going to have you, uh, I'm going to show you one other part of the scriptures here, then we're going to go to the, where we are today. And I'm right on schedule, so just stay with me here. I want you to look in Deuteronomy 30 and 1 for a moment. This is where the Lord gave them some other promises. Deuteronomy 30 and 1. This shall come to pass that when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations whether the Lord thy God hath driven thee and shalt return unto the Lord thy God, that, notice that, return unto the Lord, and shall obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart and with all thy soul, that then, 
the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee and will return and gather thee from all the nations whether the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. And Israel today wants to feel like that what they are as a nation have fulfilled this. The problem is they have not turned to God with all of their heart. They have not. They have come there and they have established themselves as a country, as a nation. I'm gonna to talk to you about that in a moment. Last Friday, whether you know it or not, was an anniversary date of the founding of Israel as a nation. But what, what Deuteronomy and what Moses was telling Israel way back there was, is that God is going to bring you back. And when God brings you back is when you fully repent and you turn to him with all of your heart. And I'm gonna show you what, where Israel is today and where, what Israel is lacking for the full blessings of God upon her. This is why she's still striving and still in conflict over there. Now, I'm gonna read another verse of scripture that will support what I'm saying here to you. This is one found in Isaiah. This is Isaiah 61.4. I've got 26.4, but 61.4 is what I want you to look at. 61.4, and they shall build the old waste. They shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. Look in Ezekiel 36. I'm just giving this as support scriptures here to what we're talking about. Look at Ezekiel 36.24. For I will take you from among the heathen and will gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. This is what the Lord has promised them that he would do for them. And then uh, also in 37, 21, and say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whether they be gone and will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. Now, these three scriptures that I've read to you, that's at the bottom of your page here, there are numerous scriptures that say the same thing. Numerous scriptures. I can take you to Hosea 6, 2, 5, 5, 6, 1, and the verses that precede it in the fifth chapter, and show you the very same thing. And it's, it's found in numerous places. God said, I will reestablish you. Everything. So this is where that Israel has... Uh, brought themselves to this point. Now, I want to go to page two. If you have your notes there, just flip over and we're going to this page here. And I want to talk to you about Israel's present. Israel began returning back to Palestine themselves at the beginning of the 20th century in, in, a, in a heavier way, more than any other time. And when they went back there, uh, there was little by little by little, the Palestinians who were already living there, the Palestinians, the, the word Palestine sounds funny to you, just remember Philistine. Palestine, Philistine, take the H out of Philistine and you got Palestine or Palestine. You understand what I'm saying? So, uh, but they're not the Philistines of the Old Testament, they're just the Arabs that are there that occupy the land. They've come from all over from various places over the last 2000 years. And so they are there. And when the Jews started migrating little by little there, the Palestinians was okay with that. And that's, they made friends and they helped the Jews to understand how to grow things and farm land there. And they worked together to a great extent. Uh, 
but as things went along, more and more Jews began to come there. And there were Jews who came there from, uh, I'm going to move on down here. Uh, Jews began to turn on part B here. Many Jews returned to Palestine following World War II and the Holocaust, the Holocaust. Uh, some of you may remember the, the story that was very famous, the book called The Ship Called the, Ex the Exodus, and how that ship was loaded down with these people that had come out of Germany from the Holocaust, and they wanted to go to Palestine, and they loaded them on the ship. They had so many on the ship, the ship, I mean, was packed full. And they went to Palestine and they wanted to unload their ship and the United Nations would not let them do it. They wouldn't let them do it. And they said, no, no, you can't do it. You, you flood the whole land. The land's not ready. You can't do it. And uh, they said, we've got to, these people are on this ship. They've come out of the Holocaust out of Germany and other places, all, not just Germany, but all over Europe, in different places, Poland, Austria, different places that they were. And this is their land. They want to go to a land. They want to have their own land now. And this went on that way for months and months. And they, these people here just, uh, they almost perished on that ship. And finally, finally, uh, they said, okay, you can go ahead and land and bring them. And so they brought these people. And from that time on, people began to migrate. Jewish people began to migrate to Israel by the hundreds. They kept coming in and coming in. And as they did, they began to expand their places there on, in Palestine, and the Palestinians became very upset and disturbed by it, and they, uh, they were pushed out sometimes, and some of them went to Jordan, and, and all these things are happening, and the British army went in there and tried to control all of it and keep it all balanced, and they couldn't do it. It, it, was, it was too much friction, too many battles, too much strife, too much fighting going on, just all kinds of fighting. And uh, here was the Palestinians. The Jordanians were supportive of the Palestinians. Uh, after World War One uh, and after World War Two, all that land was all cut up differently and shaped up differently, especially after World War Two. And uh, the Jordanians were against it. The Egyptians were against it. The Iranian, the, uh, the Syria was against it. Iraq was against it. Iran was against it. And Saudi Arabia was against it. I mean, everybody was against the Jews kept coming in because they had no place to go and it was following World War II and they wanted a country of their own and a land of their own. So this began to happen and it brought back brought around a lot of uh, confused parts and so forth. Uh, part C, Israel enjoys great prosperity today. And I'm telling you that because when all of this began to happen, things began to shape up. Now, I've got an article here that I want to read to you here that was uh, written, I think back in about 2012. And it's a speech that was given by Prime Minister uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. And uh, I want to read some words that he had to say here. Mr. Uh, Netanyahu said, only 70 years ago, the Jews were taken to slaughter like sheep. He's talking about the Holocaust. 60 years ago, we had no country, no army. Seven Arab countries declared war on the small Jewish state only a few hours after its creation. And I mentioned to you a while ago that last Friday was the anniversary of it. 
uh, in, in May 24th, uh, May 24th, 1948. 1948. Uh, the British said, we're tired of messing with this whole thing. Uh, we're trying to keep trouble out of here. We're trying to keep the Jews and the Palestinians separated and keep peace. Uh, so they said, come on home. We're going to leave it with you. It's, it's, you're on your own. And as soon as they left, Israel has made themselves to become a state, a state right off the bat. And when they did, uh, the Palestinians all went to war. All of these countries went in on them. And they all went to war almost within hours. And this is what Netanyahu is talking about here. Uh, he said here, seven Arab countries declared war on the small Jewish state only a few hours after its creation on May 24th, 1948. That's been 73 years ago, folks, only 73 years ago. We were 650 Jews against many millions in the Arab world. This is his speech going on. There was no strong Israel defense forces, no powerful air force to save us, but only brave Jewish people with nowhere else to go. They had nowhere to go, so they just said, you just stay here and fight, whatever, whatever it takes for us to do it. Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Jordan, Egypt, Libya, Saudi Arabia, all attacked at the same time. They all came against them. The country that the United Nations gave us, that is the land in that Palestine area that they gave to the Jews was 65% desert land. So that gives you a little bit of understanding what they had and what they possessed. 35 years ago, we fought the three most powerful armies in the Middle East and we swept them in six days. It was the Jordanians, I think it's Jordanians, the, the Assyrians, not Assyrians, but Syrians and the Egyptians. And that was this, what was called the, uh, the six-day the six war. It lasted just six days. And amazingly, they had tanks, they had planes, they had everything. They came against Israel, and Israel actually defeated all three of those armies in six days in an amazing battle that they fought, which was in 1967. He goes on to say here, we fought against various conditions, coalitions of Arab countries, which had modern armies and many Soviet weapons, and we have always beaten them. Today, we have uh, a country, an army, a powerful air force, a state-of-the-arts economy that exports, uh, exports are worth billions of dollars. Intel, Microsoft, IBM, and many high-tech companies develop cutting-edge products in Israel. That's all true. Our doctors receive awards for medical research. I might just add this, that we were over there here uh, seven, ten, I don't know, two, two trips back there, seven years, nine years ago. I don't know which trip it was. But we were over there. We went into a kibbutz. You know, the kibbutz is those little villages where that everybody works together and everybody pools their resources. And what one man makes, he shares with everybody else and everybody shares with everybody. And they all, it's like a family. It's a kibbutz, they call it a kibbutz. It could be like a thousand people and there are 500 of them, whatever. In one kibbutz, there was two men in there who developed uh, the contact lenses, or soft contact lenses. I've never worn contact lenses, but if anybody here that decides you're not going to wear glasses, you can wear, 
used to be hard contact lenses. And then they became soft. And now everybody, they have contact lenses. They're soft contact. These two men in that kibbutz developed those soft contact. And they made, I mean, literally, I don't know, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. And in that little kibbutz, everybody's rich. Everybody. You know, everybody's rich because of what, how it all works. So I'm just saying here what he is saying here, uh, that these uh, people, these doctors receive awards for medical research. We make the desert bloom, he goes on to say, and sell oranges, flowers, and vegetables all over the world. This is Netanyahu still speaking. Israel has sent its own satellites into space. Look at that. Three satellites at the same time. They've sent that. They send them and they put up, you know, uh, space towers where they can communicate with cell phones and so forth. We are proud to be at the same rank as the United States, that is, being able to send up satellites. The United States, Russia, China, European countries such as France, Great Britain, Germany, uh, the only countries in the world to send objects into space. These countries have done that. And they said, we've done the same thing. We're in that category. And say that only 60 years ago, 60 years ago, we were alleged, ashamed and hopeless to slaughter. We have experienced the smoking ruins of Europe. We have won our lives here in Israel with less than nothing. Won our wars, I should say. We built our little nation from nothing. Then he says, Who's Hassan, uh, who is Hamas to scare me? Look at this. Who is Hamas to scare me, to terrify me? You make me laugh. He talks about the Passover celebration. Let's not forget what Passover is. Passover means that God was with them and brought them out and brought them through. That, in other words, it goes back to Pharaoh's day. Let's not forget what Passover is. We survived Pharaoh. We survived the Greeks. We survived the Romans. We survived the Inquisition in Spain. And that was in 1492. I studied extensively on that. We have the, uh, the pogroms in Russia, which was an organized massacre against the Jews by the Tsar of Russia. We survived Hitler, the Germans, the Holocaust. We survived the armies of seven Arab countries. We survived Saddam Hussein. We will survive the enemy's present. Think of it any time in human history. Think about it for us, the Jewish people, the institution has never been better than let's face the than, than now let's face the world let me remember all nations empires and cultures who once tried to destroy us no longer exist today while we still live an old preacher told me years ago he said the fact that the jews exist is a testimony that there's a god the fact that they exist there's no people that have been displaced for 2,000 years like they have, and they still survive as a people and as a nation with their own religion, their own culture, and maintain their strength in that. So he says that, let us remember all nations, empires, or cultures who once tried to destroy us no longer exist today while we still live. Egypt, Babylon, the Greeks, Alexander of Macedonia, the Romans, then he says here, does anyone still speak Latin these days? But they still speak Hebrew. The Jews still speak Hebrew. The Third Reich, they did. And look at us, the slaves of Egypt, the people of Moses, the nation of the Bible. We are still here. 
and Hebrew is still the official language of the state of Israel today. From the time of the Bible and now, Arabs don't know yet, but they will learn that there is a God as long as we keep our identity. We are forever. So forgive us for not worrying, not crying, not to be afraid. Things are fine here. They are certainly, they can certainly be better. However, don't believe the media. They don't tell you a lot of things about Israel. Celebrations continue to take place in Israel. People continue to live. People keep coming here. People continue to see friends. Some claim our moral morale is low. So what? It's only because we mourn our deaths while, other, while our enemies rejoice in the bloodshed of war. That is why we will win in the end. The God of Israel created the heavens and the earth. The guardian of Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is still our God. So I'm just reading an excerpt that he said here and some things he said. And I just want to just tell you here today that this is the attitude that Israel has today, that we're going to survive, we're going to make it, and so forth. Now, let me, uh, let me get to some areas here that we want to talk about, and I've got just about five minutes to do it, and I'm going to wrap it all up here. And that is where that they are on the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount, the Temple Mount was captured in that six-day war by the Jews. But other Jews said, if we go in there and possess the Temple Mount, where that Dome of the Rock is, we're going to alienate all the Arab world against us, and they're going to come against us because it's a third holiest spot in the world. So let's just pull back and let's have our place up to the, up to the Temple Mount. So they have the Wailing Wall, or the, the Western Wall is called the Wailing Wall. It's where they go and pray. The Jews go there and pray. I've gone there and prayed myself. I've told you that. You put on a beanie, you walk up there, you stand there at the, that Wailing Wall and pray. People write prayers and stick them into the stone. After so long, they come along and sweep them all off, and, and they uh, get rid of them. And the new ones come again and so forth. They have a little place that they go under an old bridge that was there. It's back under like a, uh, it's a place that's narrow, about as long as from across this auditorium in here. And it's narrow like from here, about halfway uh, out to the middle of those pews there. And these Jews go in there, especially the ones that wear the black hats and, and so forth. They pray a lot. And they go in there and they have a ritual prayers that they pray. I've been on a plane, Jewish Airlines, and when it comes time for prayer, they pray three times a day. When it comes time for prayer, they, they go to the front of the plane in, in, in a place and they kneel down and they pray. And because it's the Jewish Airline, they allow it, permit it, and they can pray as much as they want to, as long as they want to. <laughs> so, so they have their prayers. I've been in that little concave and I've been in there and, and I prayed myself, probably talked to God. I know the Lord. I'm just trying to tell you here, this is where they are. But that Dome of the Rock, folks, is where they know that they need to get that, the Temple Mount built. They want desperately to build the Temple Mount. The more liberal Jews will say, look, let's don't create problems. The conservative Jews says, we don't care about the problems. Netanyahu is more conservative in that respect. We just need to get that Temple Mount and build our temple back. And that's what they really want to do. Uh, a bunch of us ministers one time met in, 
Washington, D.C. there with the ambassador uh, from Israel. And uh, in all the discussion, he was telling us about his 300 of us apostolic pre uh, preachers that was there. And uh, we asked him, will the temple be built? And he smiled. And he looked at us and he says, that's what we want to do. We want it. Yes, it will be built. That's what he said to us. He knew that we were asking for some reason, but it, it, it humored him because he knew that there was a controversial with Israel. There is the real conservative element. There is the liberal element. And then there are Jews that are atheists. There are Jews that are atheists. They don't even believe in God. They say, whatever religion you want, it's okay with me. I don't care about it. I just want to live in Palestine, you know, everything. But God has said, I'm going to raise them up. And so there is a latter part of this. The last part of this is that God has said, I am going to restore Israel. And she has not yet done that because they have not yet recognized Jesus Christ as their Messiah. Now, let me give you a scripture for that. And I'm going to close because my time's gone. I want you to go up. I'm going to go very quickly here to uh, Zechariah. Zechariah. And I'm going to read the ninth, I'm going to read the 10th verse. Look at this, 12 and 10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace. That's what we have, folks. God has given us the grace of God. Amen. We're saved by grace and that through faith. Faith is our response to his grace. His grace is that unearned favor that he has given to us that we don't deserve. But he has promised it to us. <coughs> Give me one minute. Verse 10, I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his, own, for his firstborn. And in that day shall there be a great mourning in Jerusalem as the mourning of Hadadab in the valley of Megiddo. And he goes on to talk about how that every Jew will get alone and they will pray and they will say, Lord, we are so sorry that we did not know that you were our Messiah. And they will repent and pray through. And when they do, folks, God's hand is going to be with those Jews and they're going to achieve and accomplish the purpose that God intended for it to happen. Until then, there's going to be strife, conflict, upheavals, all kinds of things going on. Hamas is going to send those rockets. Incidentally, Israel's got a, what they call an iron dome over Israel. It's where the rockets go up and meet the rockets coming in. They have destroyed 90% of the rockets that Hamas from the, from the Gaza Strip have sent into, into Israel. They've destroyed 90% of them, but some of them do get through and so forth. I'm just trying to tell you here today that this conflict and strife is going to keep going. Praise the Lord. And in the middle of all of that, Jesus is going to come back. Praise the Lord. He's coming back for his church, come back for his people. And then those Jews are going to turn back to God and they're going to become the people of God. And that's all brought out in the, in the book of Revelation, chapter starting in chapter 11 and going on 12, 13, 14, so forth. They're going to be the people of God through that period of time in, the, in this recorded in the book of Revelation. Well, God bless you. You've been a good class. I hope you've learned something from all of this talking here.
God bless you. Let's stand together and let's just praise God and glorify him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. Thank you, God, for the church. Thank you for your people. Thank you, Lord. We ask you to bless Israel. Keep your hand upon them, Lord. And Lord, bring them, God, to what you have promised them, Jesus. Oh, God, in thy name we glorify you, Jesus. Thank you for all of your many blessings upon us. Be with us, God. Meet back with us again when we're gathered together again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.